Jewish Latin Princess, episode 57, Hannah Weisberg, editor of thejewishwoman.org. You're listening to Jewish Latin Princess podcast by Yael. Every week, get your dose of inspiration from the world's most uniquely talented Jewish women and from Yael herself. Seeking profound and practical ways to live a joyful, richer Jewish life? Welcome to Jewish Latin Princess Podcast. And now, Jewish lifestyle expert and bilingual blogger at jewishlatinprincess.com, your host, Yael. You're listening to Jewish Latin Princess, everyone. I'm Yael Trush, your host. So happy to be back on the show. We've talked about living a mission-driven life many times on this podcast. Many of my guests have told us that the path they're on is really larger than themselves and that because they are doing things with a higher purpose, that is really the secret to them being and achieving whatever it is. Well, today I have the pleasure to introduce you to a woman I look up to as an influencer and a communicator of the beauty of Jewish life, someone whose work, again, reflects this idea of being mission-driven and doing things for a higher purpose. I have Hannah Weisberg on the show. Hannah is the editor of thejewishwoman.org, the most popular Jewish educational site for women and a satellite for Chabad.org, a satellite of Chabad.org. Um, you might have seen some of my articles there in thejewishwoman.org as I try to contribute regularly. So I've had the pleasure of working with Hannah in the past. She is, again, the editor of the website and she is also the author of five books, now actually six books, because her sixth book, Shabbat Delights, is about to come out right in time for the high holidays. So stay tuned for that. Hannah is a sought-after inspirational speaker, a wife and mother of six children, and can I have four grandchildren? We talk about having it all. What does it mean? And Hannah has a different perspective, which I think many of you will appreciate. What about feminism? How do we look at it from a Jewish perspective? What is it lacking? Did Hannah think she would be in a position of influence? Was that the plan? How did that come about? Listen to what she has to say about talents and the different stages of our lives as women. As the editor of thejewishwoman.org, Hannah hears from women from all over the world. What are some of the most common things she hears? What are Jewish women looking for? And does she ever hear from people who she's impacted and she wouldn't otherwise know about it? Wait till you hear this story. Listen to Hannah's message and practical tips on staying positive. This and so much more from the inspiring Hannah Weisberg. Anna Weisberg, welcome to Jewish Latin Princess. I'm so happy to be here, Yael. Thank you so much for having me. My pleasure. Such an honor to connect with you in, in this way. I want to tell you, you know, when I had the macro vision of launching this podcast over a year ago, I said, okay, so who 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 is really going to be here? Wh- wh- who's on my list? And of course, you were one of the top five names. I was, okay, Hannah oh, wow. Weisberg. And so, and so here we are today. <laughs> I'm flattered, very flattered. Thank you. Hannah, it's you really are nice. amazing that what you're doing with this. I think it's a great it's Thank a great you. thing to introduce so many people to so many interesting Jewish women and that's a great thing to be doing. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You're you're a highly sought after speaker and a best-selling author, a columnist. You're the editor of Jewish the jewishwoman.org, which is the most popular Jewish educational site for women. And for listeners who might not know, I'm not sure how anybody doesn't know, but the jewishwoman.org yeah is a satellite of Chabad.org. So that should, you know, that uh, 
that that is that is big. And now you're about to publish your sixth book. So a lot of accomplishments and a lot for us to talk about. I, I want to go back to the early days when when you were being shaped for all of this. I know that your parents were pillars in the community in Toronto, you, very influential community leaders. So you grew up with many opportunities to be a leader yourself and vocal about Jewish education, about women, about sh- sharing a, a feminine perspective from a Torah lens from a very early age, probably. Did you even think back then in those formative years? years that this was a career path for you, that you were going to become this influential voice in the Jewish world? Oh, that's that's an interesting question. <laughs> um, honestly, no, I didn't. Um, you know, sometimes people say, you know, what's your five-year plan? Because nowadays everyone's supposed to really be doing a five-year plan and, <laughs> you know, figuring out what they're, where they're going to be in five years. And I just laugh because, you know, God has his plan for us. Yes. And I think it's just a matter of being available and ready and feeling like, you know, God, give me the opportunity, please to use whatever talents I have um, in a productive way. But no, I I didn't envision it in any way. Um, You know, I I did have a lot of opportunities growing up to speak and to be, you know, to be in a leadership position um, because my father was the rub of the Lubavitch community. We moved to a new area. And I remember as a young girl, my heart pounding as I would just do a Shabbos year for a woman who were like twice my age. (laughs) But, but, you know, I I wasn't like this. I'm actually a very private person, you know, contrary to what my others might think. I'm a very private, more introverted, kind of thoughtful person. I know, same and here. Same there, right? <laughs> yes, so and people are shocked that. that I'm like, I totally get you, totally. <laughs> totally. So, you know, it's, it's, it took, I, I think it took a lot of, you know, pushing myself to say, okay, like I'm going to do it or meet a challenge or, you know, it, it's a lot about growth, personal growth and, and just pushing yourself that, no, I, I didn't envision anything. Um, I, I, I still don't envision anything. I, I just lead each day um, in, you know, in the best way that I can. And, uh, you know, ask for, ask Hashem that opportunity should come my way. Um, that will be something that I can, I, I can serve God in, a, in, the, in with my talents in a way that, you know, he'll be happy with me. That's basically what I, you know, just what I ask for. So, uh, you know, I, I think every person loves to use their talents. Every person has a tremendous amount of talent. And I think it's just a matter of finding those talents and really sometimes pushing ourselves to the limit when it's a little uncomfortable but actualizing ourselves and you know actualizing ourselves as women I think means so many different things and there's so many different stages especially as women that we're we're constantly recreating ourselves you know at different stages when our kids are young as they're getting older we see different opportunities we see different things that fit you know will fit with our family life and you know it's it's not just about us it's about so much that goes on around us and so many people that we're constantly nurturing and taking care of at every stage of our lives. And it's readjusting, readjusting our priorities, readjusting our schedules, readjusting our goals, readjusting what we do and really recreating ourselves to fit, you know, the new roles that that are, are put for us. For that new stage in life. Right. Because it, it, like you said, it's different stages and it evolves. It's different when your kids are little. It's different when you have teens and maybe you have more time. It just, it really evolves Absolutely. and the opportunities present themselves. And depending on what else is going on, y- you take them in different ways and you adjust. Absolutely. Uh, you know, I, I think as women, we're constantly doing that. And I, I don't think it's a bad thing. You know, I, I think we're very flexible. We're very creative and to become new 
themselves. And, you know, I think that's a big part of our lives because there are so many stages. I know many women come to me and they say, well, I have little children and I can't really be doing at this stage. And, you know, you, you do, don't look at it as like, oh, this is for the next, you know, my entire life I'm going to be changing diapers because the time just goes by so quickly right. that we... We need to just enjoy each stage and enjoy the opportunities that we have at each stage. That doesn't mean that we can't take time for ourselves or can't take time to to grow, you know, in, in terms of personal development. But, you know, it, 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 it's going to be different when your children are young or when your children are older. Right. And I, I should say here that you are Kanina Hara, the mother of six children. And um, so right. you're speaking from experience. <laughs> right. <laughs> Right. Now, it's funny because I, I actually got involved with Chabad.org when I had my youngest. And okay. I, you know, I was r- running an outreach center in Toronto at the time. And I remember my, my older girls were teenagers. I was out in the evenings. And here I was out in the mornings. And here my, young, my youngest was born. And I, I didn't want to do that anymore. I wanted to be home with my teens in the evening. And I wanted to be with my youngest in the morning. And so things change. You know, things evolve. Things You develop. You, you change what you need to be doing. Right, you tweak, you reprioritize. Exactly. Right. So, exactly. So, so do you think this whole concept of women having it at all, do you think it's it's in a sense accurate or is it just a lie that we're all feeding ourselves? Um, you know, I don't know what it means to have it all. You mm. know, I, I think... I think I, you know, we can all give it our all. Mm. We do give it our all. I think we, we, we very much every day we're giving our all. Having our all? I don't know. <laughs> I don't think anyone. Do you feel like you have it all? No. Even on the best day, even on the most successful day, even when you know everything seems to be going just right, the sun is shining, your work is going, your kids are behaved, everything is going right. Do you feel like you have it all? Right. You know, it's it's hard to. I mean, there's so much that we all want. You know, spiritually, emotionally. There's there's so much that we, but I, I think we can give our all. You know? I, I, I think we can give it our all, and every moment, you know, that we give our all, it might be a different giving our all. Sometimes the give that giving our all means a lot less than other times, and that's okay. Right. You know, as long as we're we're giving our all in terms of you know what what we can achieve. I, I love that perspective because, and and I I think in many ways, just that whole concept is is a myth because. Because when whatever we're doing, we're saying no to other things, like back to the earlier Absolutely. conversation. So, so, however, in the life in, in one's entire lifespan, yes, we can we can achieve many, many, many things. And there's time for a lot for us to give it our best shot at every at, at, at whatever is important to us. But we're going to be excluding a bunch of other things that are not they don't fall in the priority um, list, I guess. So a hundred percent. You know, and, that, and that's why it's always important to consider what you're doing and why you're doing it. You know, because like you said, you're giving to one thing, you know, something else is going to lose. There is no such thing, you know, mm-hmm. as, as every, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. something is going to lose out. And you just want to make sure that where you're giving your all is where you really want it to be your all. Yeah. Hannah, your work and your message has been very much centered on the role of women within Judaism and the expression or the manifestation of the feminine dimension, both macro and micro when it comes to each our our personal lives and by extension how that is manifested in the world at large so over the years you've seen feminism you know and that that's a very broad term evolve and now we have things going on in the world like me too and everything that's going on with women you must have perspective on how we should view all of it from a jewish lens do you have some light to shed on, on on what's going on globally from a torah perspective um i i think 
you know, I, I, I think that what, what I think the feminist movement was lacking and what I think the world in, in general is lacking is a more feminine perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we, we look at things really from the eyes so often of the masculine, and we, we kind of try to evolve ourselves into that masculine role. Mm-hmm. And that's not what the world is, it needs. I remember I read years ago this book that was called Same Differences, and the premise of the book was about how we're all the same. You know, men and women, we're really all the same. And therefore, and the reason why she wrote this, she says very clearly, is because she was afraid that women wouldn't be able to get certain positions or certain jobs if she accentuated what was different about women. So she really writes, we're we're basically all the same, men and women. Mm. And and I read that and I I, I just laughed, you know, sadly, in in a sad way, because what what she's really trying to do is tell women to be men. And that's not what the world needs. The world needs the feminine perspective, men want to hear it, men need to hear it, and women need to hear it. So we can't change ourselves to be men. We can show the world what being a woman is. Yes. And, you know, I think that what's really lacking, let's say, in the Me Too movement is that, you know, let, let's just try to show the world from a feminine perspective what being a woman is all about, not by trying to impress the men or trying to um, you know, become like a man or trying to attract a man, mm-hmm. but really show what a, what a, a woman is supposed to be. And a, a woman wants that privacy. A woman wants that boundary. A woman wants those the feeling of there's a difference between the outside world and the inside world, and this internal um, this internal world of her own, physically, emotionally, in all ways. And those boundaries are being breached. But the reason why those boundaries are being breached is because men and women are both trying to accommodate themselves to what the man wants and the man ro- the man's role in this world. And that doesn't serve anybody. Right. Um, and it, it it feels to me like it's slowly evolving to more women kind of owning their femininity and, and, and not, not in, again, not in a man's role, but really just being more comfortable in what female qualities are and what value they add to, to the world, both in business and, and, and in any setting. Absolutely. And I think that's, we need more of that. You know, we need more women's voices. We need more to, I, I mean, that's, that's really what I tried to do in, in some of my earlier books, I explored what were female role models for us in the past. Mm-hmm. And, and how can we take these role models, these strong women, potent women, women who, who knew who they were, women who knew what they were all about, and yet they took a very strong leadership position. Let's emulate them. Let's find out about them. And it's interesting, when I started to do the research for my very first book, The Crown of Creation, mm-hmm. there weren't any English books available about, about these women role models. And I'm talking about the Mahos, women in Tanakh. There was really very little translated English sources available for for the public. And, you know, I, I started to do a lot of research to find out, to do, to teach, to, to explore. Um, and it was fascinating, you know, what, what we came up with. Um, but I, I, I felt it was so necessary for women and subsequently for men and women, you know, to understand that, to understand what, what her positions were, what her role was what her feelings were what her thought process was right right and and i understand at the begin back then you even faced some resistance in the jewish publishing world um when you went to publish that right. first book yeah 
correct. Um, I remember when I first went to a firm publisher, they said, this is a really profound book, <laughs> very well researched. I have like hundreds of footnotes with sources, but we're afraid it's too profound for women. I On the other hand, maybe their husbands will read it. <laughs> you know? so wait, no, wait, are you serious? <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, I am. <laughs> and I think that's something that has evolved, though, over time. Yes. This is, you know, this is, a, you know, a, a couple decades ago. And I think since then, women are showing that they are very much interested in these kind of works. They're interested in intellectual works. Women are interested in studying and growing. And we need to open up more of these opportunities for women um, because women want that. You know, women are growing. They're growing in the in all areas. And they, they are, they want this, this level of, of intellectual understanding and emotional understanding of, of their heritage. So, you know what, that's a perfect segue to, to my next question, which is you must get um, a lot of messages. You must hear, when, you know, as the columnist and the editor of, of the JewishWoman.org and as a speaker, you must hear a lot from women about what's on their mind. What are they searching for? What are those questions that are pressing with regards to Judaism? What are some of the most thing, the most the things you hear most often? Um, well, you know, we, we get we get questions really from women all over the world. Mm-hmm. And that's that's something that I really love about the JewishWoman.org is we, we'll, we'll get someone who feels very isolated in her mm-hmm. Judaism in Belfast, Ireland, or in Alaska. Really, I, I just had this week two of those. <laughs> that's why I mentioned those two places. Mm-hmm. And, you know, th- this is a way of connecting to them. This is a way of them tapping into their heritage and learning more about it and learning and connecting to other women and seeing other women's challenges and how they're overcoming it. So, you know, it, it's it's really, this is part of what I love about my work is that we're connecting to women from all over, uh, women from large communities where they're, they're, there's so much going on and women in isolated communities where unfortunately there's very little going on. And this is their opportunity to connect with others to learn more about their heritage and to understand it better. And, you know, that, that, that's, that's, a, that's a fascinating part. So as far as what are women searching for and looking for, um, I think, you know, from a religious perspective, women are trying to understand the role of women in Judaism. I think mm-hmm. that's a big question. It's a big question not only for women, but for men as well. Uh-huh. Um, you know, a man, doesn't, a man doesn't want to feel like he's being chauvinistic, you know, against his women. I, I, I remember lecturing once and a, a man was staunchly stood up and he's like, I don't understand the whole Mechitza issue. Um, you know, it just didn't sit well with him as a modern man of today, mm. how he can make wife sit behind it. Um, so I, I think a lot of men and women today are searching and, and need a greater understanding of the woman's role in Judaism. Why are there restrictions? What is the difference? Why are there differences? How do we understand it? Is it evolving? Is it changing? Should it be changing? Um, how can we make her role more significant or more um, or should we? You know, th- these are the questions that I think a lot of people are facing. I think that's going to be a big one mm-hmm. um, in today's time that we really need to address. Um, and then on a, on a personal level, I think people in general are just looking for, you know, people are going through so many challenges in life. You know, you look around, there's a lot of pain, a lot of suffering. Maybe we're just more aware of it nowadays, or maybe it just we live in a crazy, crazy world. But, I, you know, I, I think everywhere you go, people are looking for answers in terms of how to cope how to live through a tragedy, how to overcome a tragedy, how to use a difficult experience from their past and really grow from it. 
mm-hmm. um, you know, how to, how, to, how to take these challenges and really um, turn them into successes. Yeah, that is, that is definitely a big one. Hannah, do you ever hear from women anything regarding how your work helped them? Maybe they had a transformation, the stories that left you wow and, and humbled at the same time about how your work could be having such an impact in somebody's life. Any poignant stories that you have? So what, what I do is, you know, everyone has bad days, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, everyone has those days when they really need to, like, get okay. that reinforcement. So yes. every once in a while, I get a really nice, like, letter or something or a few lines that someone dropped. I just, you know, once in a while, I, I, I copy, paste it, and put it in this art, in, in this folder of mine. And on those bad days, I'll read it. <laughs> because, oh. you know, it, it's just so nice to read. You know, sometimes it gets lonely when you're working. Sometimes you feel overwhelmed. Sometimes I you love feel like, it. and you know, this just helps you to really see. Hey, like, hold on, you're making an impact. You yes. know, you're, you're doing something positive, and people really are appreciating it. And you know, just continue. Just just keep going. Today's a hard day, but tomorrow will be better. The, the positivity um, <laughs> folder. <laughs> I love yeah. it. I'm gonna copy this one, Hana. <laughs> right. Uh, but I do have a little story. I, I actually met, um, I, we, I, I, we're, we're moving to Pomona, New York, and uh-huh. we were staying by my daughter, and we, I went to a shul that wasn't a shul that she usually goes to, but it was a new one in the neighborhood that I wanted to, to see. And I'm sitting in shul davening, and there's this lady there, and, you know, she like, keeps looking at me. And then at the end of davening, she turns to me, and she says, Hana? And I was, like, creeped out. How does this person know my name? <laughs> and she's like, you know, I can't tell you. I watch you all the time. I watch your videos. I see you there. I can't believe I'm seeing you in person. Anyways, to make a long story short, this is a woman who was, she, she, she was not originally Jewish, nor was her husband. They had a long, long path towards Judaism. He was a pastor. He was learning more and more about the Bible. And, you know, eventually he realized that the truth of the Torah and the truth of Judaism. And eventually the couple converted and they moved to Florida. And this woman had just recently lost her husband, the one who she had taken this long spiritual path with. And here she was in this shoal. She said she wasn't meant to be in this shoal because she's from Florida. And here she was in Pomona. She wasn't meant to go to visit this person who she was visiting that mm-hmm. week. Um, but it ended up happening like a whole other sequence of events, which I'm not going to elaborate on here. And she happened to go to that shoal and happened to be there. That shop is there. And she said, just, you know, just seeing me there, someone, not because it was me, of course, but because of the inspiration that she got from the teachings that I teach, mm-hmm. it just was like God smiling at her and it just gave her this renewed strength and this renewed ability to just keep on going even after her husband had just passed away and even though she was going through a very very difficult time and you know and as for me I was also having a hard day that day you know and it was a hard week you know it had been a hard long week and just hearing that it, it was kind of like God giving both of us a hug and saying, you know, just keep going. It's good. <laughs> but these these are the kinds of things that inspire us to continue and inspire us to, to, to keep going and to try harder and to reach higher because that's what living is all about. Wow, what a powerful story. Amazing, amazing. So, Hannah, tell us about your newest book. 
So the newest book is um, actually based on, I have been doing uh, over the last year, short videos um, on Parsha. Uh Very, very short, inspirational. Uh, I feel like, you know, our lives are very busy. So we need that little punch of inspiration without long-windedness, something that's relevant to our life and that's relevant to the weekly Torah portion. So these were very short uh, weekly videos and it was on the Parsha. And after a while of getting a lot of great feedback, I decided, you know what, we really should compile all of these, plus a lot more of articles that I had written over the years, into a book on the Parsha for women and men to just give inspiration, to be that weekly shot of you can do it, you are great, you are amazing, you have so much power and infinite abilities that God gives you that you can do so much with. And really, that's that's what the book is called. It's called Shabbat Delight, and it's little nuggets of inspiration on the weekly Torah portion um, that really show the power of the soul, the power of the individual our connection to God, our infinite capabilities and abilities to really reach higher and become more and do more and how the weekly portion shows that. Wow, sounds amazing. When is it going to come out, God willing? So God willing, we're hoping that it will be ready for Tishrei, Mm. this coming Tishrei. And right before the new year, you know, that would be the most appropriate time to really release it. That's so great. Oh, I can't wait to get my hands on it. <laughs> I've read your <laughs> other works. You. So I, I've read your other works and I watch the videos regularly. So this book is for me. I'm, I'm, I'm there. <laughs> thank you. You know, thank you. I, I think we need positivity in our lives. Oh, you know, totally. That positive. And everyone needs that pat on the shoulder. And, you know, that's the way you grow as a person, not by putting down and thinking, oh, how much there is to do and how much there is to grow because there always is that. But realizing, you know, it's okay, you're doing great and of course we can do better, but God loves us all and God gives us the power to really do more. And the powers that we have, even though we have the challenges, the powers are so much stronger. Right. And this idea that the the Torah is really speaking to that those challenges and and those the human experience the the universal human experience that we all share exactly you know i I often open my email and i'll get you wrote this just for me Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know i I know this today (laughs) exactly today like this is i don't know it's god talking to me through your words and that's that's the power that every individual has every one of us has that power to really to 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 shine and to really, you know, to really affect others and to affect our surroundings and those around us. Right, right. So, you know, you mentioned before what I called the positivity folder, which um, um, I'm going to (laughs) build one right very soon after we get off the phone. Uh, um, I'm sure you have a lot of things to put in there, yeah. Thank you. Baruch Hashem, yes, also, I I do have um, a lot that I can put in there. Um, But at the end of the day, you know, Baruch Hashem, your work, you have a lot of it, not just quantitatively speaking, you're very busy, but also qualitatively, what you're busy with is a lot. And it's a huge responsibility. Are there ever days through have there ever been days throughout this journey where you think to yourself, like, what am I doing? My shoulders are not broad enough to carry this responsibility. And if so, other than the positive Positivity folder. Where do you find strength to 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 keep on with this huge responsibility as an influencer? Um, are there ever any such days? Like yes, almost daily. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I I think we all feel that way. I, you know, my my father, um, Reb David Shochet, he 
he would always t- he would always encourage me to he would always say that we're a, 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 we're an emissary from God you know mm-hmm. and the position that we're in is you know he he has some remarkable stories of, of really miraculous things that have happened to him. And, and sometimes I went over to him and I said, come on, Daddy, how were you able to do that? Like, give me the give me the, the, the behind the scenes as your daughter. Like, how did you manage to pull that, that off? What's the trick? Says, yeah, what's the trick? You know, whether it's a, a blessing that he gives to somebody that actually happens or like a solution to something. And he's very humble. I don't hear it from him, but I'll hear it from the person who will say to me, like, oh, your father's amazing. And, you know, so... So I, as his youngest, I approached him very many times, and I said, come on, what's the trick? How are you able to really do it? And he says, Hana, it's not about us. It's about the position that we're given. And when you're being put in a position, Hashem just widens your shoulders. Hashem Mm -hmm. just enables you to do it. So when you don't look at it as just you, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I remember times that I would go up to speak, you know, to a large audience and my heart would be pounding and I'd be thinking, as I said, I'm a very private person. I'd be thinking like, there's no way, you know, I can do it. And then I'd remember, no, there's no way that you can do it, but it's not you who's doing it. So when we look at it in that way, that it's not us who is doing it, it's not our powers, it's not our intelligence, it's not our talent, it, it changes the whole perspective. It's not about me. It's about, you know, just being put in a position where I can just try my best. Mm-hmm. And it's God. It's God's. It's in God's hands, not my hands. Right. And that kind of changes the entire perspective. You do your part, and God does His, and yeah. God's part way more than yours so yep. you know you're in good you're in good partnership <laughs> yes know? yes i love yeah. it i love it hana you've talked about your father i'm curious any jewish woman who has inspired you who continues to inspire you hmm, i'd have to say that would be my mother <laughs> tell us um, about her my mother's an incredible woman um She's an, an extremely elegant woman, you know, very, uh, very down to earth, uh, very intuitive, you know, when it comes to people, just really a lot of common, common wisdom um, in just appreciating situations and things that, you know, till today, if, I, if I'm not sure what to wear to something, like this is a woman in her 80s, I'll still call her and say, Mom, what do you think? You know, she's got <laughs> impeccable taste. Um, she's also a woman who grew up in communist Russia and you know the stories that she tells us from her childhood are unbelievable it was like it was a different time period like it's not something that we can even relate to Um, you know she talks about like you know every every Shabbat every Shabbos you know they she used to have to go to school that was the communist rule and um, she would have to her and her parents would have to come up with excuses every single week in order for her to avoid the work um, you know so sometimes she would come to school with a bandage on her finger and the the doctors would always be bribed or the nurses and the teachers you know sometimes she would just walk to school with her father and they would stay outside in the playground all day so that when they would come home you know neighbors would see them coming home and no one would be suspicious you know imagine like a young child living through that kind of you know phenomenon day in day out day in day out just in order to keep Yiddishkeit I mean she tells a story of how she used to go to uh, for miles and miles on end. She must have been a girl about seven or eight years old, and she would ride this donkey to go to the wheat mill in order to get wheat for Pesach that could be used for Pesach because as a young child, the authorities wouldn't suspect her. So she would be riding this, this donkey for miles on end, you know, going to this, this, this 
this mill, getting the, the, the flour that she needed, hiding it back under her coat, you know, this bulky coat, pretending as if she was just going for a stroll in the afternoon and bringing it to her family. And she knew that this was what was entrusted to her. She was mature beyond her years, and she knew she had to do it for the sake of her family. In terms of friends, you always had to be extremely careful. She could never have, like, the regular kind of friends that we all have because... People were, you know, would would be reporting on her. Um, so the 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 kind of Messrs. Nefesh, the kind of self sacrifice that she had in her childhood, just embedded with her this really deep seated faith that in what she's doing and what she is. You know, she was a Rebbitzin alongside my, my father, and she's constantly, her helm is constantly open. She's constantly at the service of others. But this aspect of her youth gave her a wisdom beyond years, an intuitive awareness and sense of people, and just, you know, a, a, a real dedication to everything that's so important. So I, I would have to say she is definitely my female role model. Um, till, till today, you know, she's an incredible woman, the stories of her past, and she continues to be an incredible woman and in how she inspires all of us with her kindness. With I mean, as a mother, she was always there with the cookies and cake, you know, all the years as soon as I'd come home from school, very loving and very... But when I got older, I started hearing her stories, the stories from her past. And it was really, it was a different time period a different time zone, you know, that we can't even imagine what, what she went through. Wow, what a powerful story. I mean, at Shabbos, like some, we, we, it's like we take for granted. Like I can't even imagine not to have a regular Shabbos, have to go through this week after as a child, you know, our children, Baruch have Hashem, have the freedom and, to and, enjoy And the stories this. like go on and on. I mean, I have incredible stories in my book about her, like when they escaped from Russia and, you know, how her father wanted a safer Torah. And there's an incredible story with the Torah, like nonstop. It's just, it, it's just almost like reading like from hundreds and hundreds of years ago, you know, but she it was in different time, right. but it wasn't. This is what she lived with, and it was this was what she lived with day in, day out. It's really incredible, and her father knew that he said he left Russia not because of her, like, not because his children wouldn't keep Yiddishkeit, because he knew his kids were brought up in that kind of environment, that there was no way that they, you know, they felt it so deeply in their roots, but he said he left for the sake of his children's children. You know, me, really, me and my uh, cousins, you know, for us, because he didn't know what would be in, you know, in communist Russia for us. So, you know, he risked his life, he risked the family's life, they risked being shot at the border in order to really leave, in order to maintain this connection with his, his descendants. And also, what amazes me about these stories is that the the emuna and the love for Yiddishkeit, because one could say, well, if you live under those circumstances, you could become despondent, you know, and certainly many, may, maybe there's people who, who did, but more than that, I hear stories of people who, in spite of these conditions, they, they love, the deep love that they continue to have for Yiddishkeit is it's something that it's, it's so inspiring, and I almost wish like we had it, you know? It's true. It's true. Like my mother often says, like, you know, Pesach was like a different experience. Like, you you know, it, we were hanging them. We did it. We did it all. We were hanging the matzah by the, the ceiling so it wouldn't get wet, you know, before days before Pesach. Like, you felt it in the air. It was just so much a part of you. And yet you had to do it so secretly so that others wouldn't know. So it was something that they really lived Yiddishkeit. You know, there's, yeah. today we study. We study a lot, you know, and hopefully we live it too. But here they really experience so much of it. 
in such a rich way. Yeah, they treasured it, it. They treasured those details treasured that maybe yeah. we take for granted, maybe. Right. Yeah, you know, you just go to the store and you pick up whatever you need. You know, you order your matzah and you order... They really lived with it. So that's... She's really an inspiration to me in, in so many ways. You know, her past, her present, who she is, the, the elegance that she has as a woman. You know, just really an incredible woman. Beautiful. You know, there, there's just so many women out there that you just gain so much from in different ways you know each one in their different ways there's the intellectual woman there's the emotional I think we all have such intelligences you know I don't think there's any such thing as even IQ EQ social IQ there's so many different ways that people give and contribute, mm-hmm. and it, 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 it's just a matter of looking at these people and saying wow you know that that's impressive I can learn from I that and learn from that yeah yeah Beautiful. Hannah, let's do JLP fill in the blanks. And this is a part of the show, all my guests do this, where I'll give you an open-ended sentence and you finish it with the first thing that comes to mind, okay? Oh, that sounds scary. (laughs) (laughs) It's fun. It's not scary. It's a little challenging, but it's fun. (laughs) Okay, we'll take a deep breath. Okay. (laughs) Let's redefine it. Breathe. Okay. I'm Hannah Weisberg and I feel most spiritual when? When I'm giving to others. Mm. Mm, beautiful. And it connects so much to your, your career. Beautiful. My favorite mitzvah or one I feel most connected with is? Hmm. Um, lighting Shabbos candles. Mm. And just, you know, that moment of holiness when you just pray for your family and you pray for Kuala Yisrael and you pray for those that really need it. Um, it. It's just a moment of connection and a moment of quiet from the whole week, a moment of solitude, a moment where you just feel there's a change in the environment and there's a change in you. And it's it's that moment to kind of look inside rather than constantly be looking outside yeah. and just, you know, connect to what's most meaningful to you. And when you say those prayers after you, you bench the candles and you, you, you're asking Asking for what's most important to you in your life, you know, those around you and those that you love and what you feel each one needs, what you feel you need. Yeah, I had a beautiful experience the other day. One of my girls said, Mommy, what is it? What What do you pray for? Like, what, what's going on behind your hands? You know, as my, as my hands are covering my face and they just look up and stare at me, you know. <laughs> It's really very beautiful. It's, it's funny because whenever whenever I go to the the Isle of the Rabbi, mm-hmm. you know, I'm all, I, I always cry. Like you know, I'm always crying there, yeah. and you know, my kids always see me crying and crying and davening for just the most, like I say, the deepest things in our lives. Right. What's and really important what, what, at the end of the day. What's really important, exactly. So one of my daughters, who she uh, had her own daughter, my my beautiful granddaughter, she said to me, you know, I never before I had my baby, I never understood why you were always crying and crying. There, but now I get it. Wow! And the truth is, if we think about it, Judaism as a way of life has it, it, embedded within this way of life is this this uh, availability of us being able to really focus and tap into. It, really focus on these really essential and important things. I mean, if we take advantage of it throughout throughout what Judaism requires of us, really for, allows us the ability to focus, whether it be by lighting candles, right. whether it be through prayer, whether it be through immersion in a mikvah. There's so many of these moments that really if we take them on a deeper level, really forces, forces us to do this, to really go into what's really, at the end of the day, the most essential. The, the I, I, Yeah, no, I, I think 
Judaism is really like a classroom, you know, and it's 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 a very hands-on classroom, and mm-hmm. it's constantly giving us opportunities to be mindful of things. Yes. So we're con- you know we're constantly doing things to just awaken us. You know, we dip the challah into honey. You know, do we really think that's going to give us a sweet year? But it makes us stop and think and say, you know, this is really what we we want that sweetness in our life. You know, we we take the chicken and we do kaparis. It really makes you think. Like this chicken is going to death. You know, this is something that I need to ponder over. Exactly. We go to Tashla, you know, we, we throw like at the river and we're throwing away our sins. Do our, we really think we're throwing away our sins? But, you know, it, it's to make us stop and think and ponder and just, you know, realize what life is about, whether it's in the foods that we're eating or in the actions that we're doing. But Judaism is a very much learning-based, you know, classroom-based almost. Like what does an effective classroom teacher do? She'll make the experience very hands-on for her students. And this is the way that the students learn best. And that's mm-hmm. what Judaism is doing with us. Be more mindful yeah. because we go through life so mindlessly that, you know, unfortunately, sometimes we, we just say the bracha before we eat so mindlessly, too. You know, exactly. we mumble it off. We do what's so automatic to us. And that's why I think, you know, the holidays come and God says, okay, you're getting into the routine. Now just stop Wake from up. your routine. Mm-hmm. Wake up. It's a different opportunity. It's a d- completely different mindset. It's a different kind of level that you're living on. And that, you know, we, we have that weekly for Shabbat. You know, that's it's a time to really remember things and, and, and realize that we have to live more mindfully. Yeah, yeah. You reminded me that not long ago, a couple months ago, I was teaching a, a, a class and somebody asked me, okay, fine, yeah, Ella, if, you, if you had to define Judaism in one word, what would it be? And I told her what you just said, mindfulness, even though now it's such a trendy word. And you know, right, exactly. I didn't want to choose that word just because it, it has. But the truth is, that's how I felt. That's what I think Judaism is um, or right. gives us. Okay. My yeah, like say a bracha after you go to the bathroom. Yes. Say you, you know, every little thing that you do in your day is supposed to be uh, stop for a sec and smell the roses and yes. really appreciate what life is all about mm-hmm. and what your gifts are. Mm-hmm. My fondest, sweetest Jewish memory is? Pesach um, Seder at my father's table. <laughs> wow. Very, yeah, very nice. Sitting up there as a little child and just, you know, asking him all kinds of questions and him patiently, patiently explaining it to me. And I thought I was, you know, such a smart girl, <laughs> like thinking back to it, you know, he was so patiently explained and he would try to like, you know, get into a more scholarly discourse with my older brother. And I'm always interjected, making them explain exactly what they were talking about to me. And they did patiently, beautifully. You know. How many siblings are you, Hannah? We're four. I'm the youngest mm-hmm. and there's uh, one boy and two, three girls. Beautiful. Something I wished I had learned about Judaism growing up is? Um, this is a hard ooh, one because you yeah. had such a strong foundation um, but maybe there is something that in hindsight um, hmm, that's a hard one I, I, I guess you know what I think we need to stress with our children and with our children growing up and mm-hmm. perhaps it, it's hard to remember if I had it or didn't have it but in our education system I think we need to keep stressing to our children how much God loves us and cares about us mm. uh, because I, I think you know we, we demand so much from our children and we talk about the laws and the you know the and, and these are important you know and Torah has laws that kids need to learn and there's laws for everything with the do's and the don'ts and the when's and the how's and, and there's so many details involved and I once had a, a, a child like getting really like nervous about those things and I said hold on a sec you know just realize these are just laws to improve your life to make you live a, a better life and the main thing that you need to remember is it's okay to make mistakes don't worry about making mistakes God loves you and that he's not standing there you know with a whip trying to catch you at a bad moment he's, he's there to just love you mm. and to teach you 
most meaningful life that you can live. Um, so I, I think we need to stress that, yeah. you know, more maybe in our educational system. Yeah, yeah. And uh, as parents, true. Very good advice. When I give tzedakah, charity, I like to give to? To um, someone that I do not know, mm. someone who I feel um, needs it, you know, someone who I, I remember years ago I was in Israel and I was going around to one of the tzedakah organizations. They take you around and I just seeing the, the situation of others, the poverty that they were living into, I, I still remember that to this day. You know, it just had such an impact. Um, just realizing that there's so many that are living, you know, with so little means. Everyone needs our help. Everyone needs our, um, our giving. We're here not because, you know, that's what we're here. That's what Staka is, giving its righteousness. It's not a matter of charity. It's not a matter of being charitable. Mm-hmm. They're there so that I can have the ability of giving to them. That's what our perspective has to be. They're giving me the opportunity to do something positive. That's why there's this disparity in terms of you know financial situations from people. Right. Finally, I'm Hannah Weisberg, and today I'm most grateful for... For being here, being here with you this very moment. <laughs> um, you know, I, I think every moment we have to be grateful for. Um, I'm grateful for my family. I love my family. I love my husband, my children. I'm grateful for the opportunities God has given me. I'm grateful for being alive. I'm grateful for all the goodness in my life. And uh, I'm grateful that God doesn't get upset with all the things that I keep on thinking I need, I need, I need. <laughs> but, you know, despite all the things that I have, I haven't have, and that's just something I got to remember. <laughs> yes, we 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 all do. We all do. Hannah, thank you so much, everyone. The book is called Shabbat Delights and Lighting Insights on the Weekly Torah Portion, and it'll be available for purchase um, right before Rosh Hashanah. So stay tuned for that. And meanwhile, uh, go subscribe to thejewishwoman.org if you haven't, and if you haven't, why haven't you? Go do it right now, and you can. <laughs> Uh, right and you can follow Hannah's beautiful videos and her writing you'll get all that there and um, of course you can follow Hannah on Facebook because you have a lot of your content there you definitely have your videos there so Hannah I thank you we thank you and I personally thank you for being an inspiration for me personally as well as for many out there and you're also a delight to work with we've gotten a chance to work here and there on some things for Chabad.org so I truly appreciate you your work and may you have so much success continued success and come visit me again i'm sure we'll have plenty more to discuss and chat yes it was it's lovely to chat with you yeah really is in person i mean almost person but yes it's great rather you know in person more than more so than even email so that it's wonderful thank you so much for having me thank you Thanks again to Hannah Weisberg for stopping by. Her latest book coming out around the high holidays is Shabbat Delights. And again, she's the editor of thejewishwoman.org, where you can find her writing, her videos, as well as so much incredible Jewish educational content. Thanks again for being here. Stay tuned to the content coming out on jewishlatinprincess.com for a bunch of giveaways that I have coming up. And subscribe to my newsletter at jewishlatinprincess.com to find out more about that and everything else that's going on. And let me know know if you know of a uniquely talented Jewish woman whom you'd like to be featured on the show. You know where to find me. Have a great week. Thanks for listening to Jewish Latin Princess Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe on iTunes, leave a rating, and share the podcast with the Jewish women you love. To access today's show notes, ask Yael a question, or suggest a uniquely talented Jewish woman to be featured on the show, visit jewishlatinprincess.com.